everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Journey of Hope. Glad you could be with us today. The Journey of Hope is a podcast that's especially designed to address the issues that men and women face after incarceration. Dr. Amy Harris Newen is our guest today. She's got a lot of good things to say. You're going to want to hear this, and we'll be right back after this. I'm Rodney Mathers, and you're on The Journey of Hope. My email address is mathersrodney at yahoo.com, M-A-T-H-E-R-S-R-O-D-N-E-Y at yahoo.com. I sure would like to know how you're doing. and welcome back. My guest today is Dr. Amy Harris Newen, and she is a board-certified certif- integrative psychologist. I'm not sure what that means. I'm reading this off her bio here. She's an entrepreneur and an author and a speaker uh, and master success coach, and we're going to tap Amy's knowledge today and get her thoughts on some of the issues we face when we're returning home. Welcome, Dr. Amy. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much, Rodney. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. No problem. We're glad to have you. Can you can you fill us in on your background a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So I was uh, trained as a clinical psychologist, so a therapist. Um, I've, I've spent quite a few years um, becoming what's now an integrative therapist. So I look at things from a very holistic uh, perspective body mind and spirit you know we're more than just our head we're more than just our body you know our environment plays an influence certainly heredity you know our opportunities so i take all of those things into consideration when working with my clients here and uh, help them understand you know the need to draw from multiple perspectives you know look at different areas of their life and see what they can do to create positive results for themselves as well as their families Okay. Well, uh, the thing I wanted to first bring up with you is something that I'm starting to hear more and more about. And before we started the interview, we had talked about how a lot of people find themselves in very bad situations. And I'm finding that, and, and I learned this when I was in prison, that there are a lot of people in prison, it was surprising to me, that are educated, they come from middle class, upper middle class backgrounds. A lot of them are SOs. And um, the experience in prison, um, I believe, could bring on PTSD. What are, you, what are your thoughts about that? Is that something that's possible for Without inmates, people that Without aren't used? They, it's a 
to say it's a traumatic experience <clears throat> is a gross understatement. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> yeah. Well, so how does someone know when they're when they're at home and they're job searching or whatever that this is something that's affecting their decision making and and affecting them uh, in their life and the way that they're conducting themselves. How would somebody know that that is the issue? Really, I guess the best place to start is from like looking at your symptoms. A lot of times, people with PTSD. Um, have, you know, what's called an exaggerated startle response, meaning they'll get easily startled. Uh, Maybe they'll be anxious and nervous all the time. Sometimes they have a low mood, a depressed mood. A a, a hair hair trigger, you know, temper Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is another good sign where Mm -hmm. people are just highly, highly sensitive, overreactive, um, highly emotional. Um, Sometimes, you know, there's difficulty sleeping, could be nightmares, could be, you know, problems, you know, gastrointestinal distress, just stomach problems, um, just a real sense of sometimes hopelessness or helplessness, sometimes a, you know, an over-exaggerated sense of, of guilt, um, and all of those things, you know, problems with memory, focus, concentration, and, and certainly those things, Rodney, are going to get in the way of people mm-hmm. making really good decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're just focusing <clears throat> on trying to manage your body or what you're feeling emotionally, you're not in a very good position to make a good good decision. Yeah. I, you've got on your webpage <clears throat> a list of these issues, and, and there's just like a whole bunch of issues listed there, PTSD being one of them. But I'm looking at this list, and there's got to be like 20-something. I don't know how many, but it's a whole big list. And I'm thinking, my God, I have all of this. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but you know what? I, I've had a little bit of treatment, but not a whole bunch. But, um, you know, how does someone who, okay, so you've identified that that maybe PTSD is something that you're dealing with and is affecting your decision making. What next for the person that doesn't have, like, the resources to hire, like, say, a life coach or um, even medical insurance to get some mental health? What what do you do? Is there a way to address it without therapy? You know, that's an excellent question. Um, There what's unfortunate is a lot of prisoners don't have access to treatment while they're in prison and then once they get out they have an even greater less access because there's not a lot of good um, resources to link someone to the community and that's one of the issues facing prisoners too you know with reintegration is lack of resources financially lack of health care and so one of the things you know that you can do is you know um, access some community-based care a lot of times you know states will have low cost or no cost uh, services through community mental health agencies. But, you know, the downside of that is there can be long wait lists. And one of the issues facing prisoners, too, you know, upon reentry is a lot of times they don't, they're not eligible for Medicaid, you know, which could right. put them in a position of having some sort of insurance coverage. That's right. Sometimes it can take months to get back on that list. But the best place to start is to access one of your community-based mental health services. And again, those are usually low cost or no cost. Mm-hmm. 
and they're in you know i'm i'm in houston or actually katie which is outside of houston and um the the county we're in does have um resources available but my understanding it's the exception it's not the rule that is true that is true in fact you know the prevalence of mental health issues and chronic and infectious diseases among you know the prison population is far greater than the general population but again they face limited access and insufficient linkage to community-based health care upon a release and so then you know, it just kind of sets up uh, a vicious cycle where those conditions become often they can become more and more chronic. Mm-hmm. And then that sets up, you know, the person, you know, for recidivism, too. So, you know, it's you're absolutely right. There's there's you know, it's a population that is in high need of those services with little to no access oftentimes. OK, well, let's talk about check this out. Dr. Amy, how do you, <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot here. How does someone who's getting slapped every day and is, and is dealing with something like PTSD or other issues or, you know, how do they stay positive? We want to know what your professional advice is on staying positive as we face this kind of adversity and we're trying to get back on our feet. You know, that's that's an excellent question. I actually had a, have a sister who was in a, that same situation for 20-plus years. It took her a ton of courage to get out of that marriage. And I know there have been times when she's just, you know, all but given up hope. Really, the thing is, you know, maybe if, if that's a person of faith, certainly draw on your faith, right? And certainly access any other family you have that could be supportive. Um, I would say as much courage as it takes, please do your best to get out and get to a safe shelter, uh, maybe a women's shelter, even if it's overnight, because a lot of times they can link you up with other services, uh, at least temporarily. But, you know, and they can often link you to some community uh, based services as well to, 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 to be in a situation and to try and stay positive. You know, that can be like asking somebody to imagine what it's like to what it's like to live on Mars. Um, but it is certainly possible. And I think for a lot of people drawing on their faith, whatever that faith is, could be that ounce of hope that keeps them in it. But but know that you don't have to stay in that situation. Well, I know that a lot of people will in in that situation will you mentioned recidivism and i think what happens from the people i've talked to is this is not an issue with me but people will fall back on addictions that they had prior to prison and and that's their coping mechanism that's how so in terms of that what would be i told you for the show i was going to ask you some questions that could be a show within themselves but let's talk about addiction for a second what would be your advice to people who find themselves fighting you know that old addiction as a coping mechanism you know it's interesting because that is a huge issue 80 you know over 80 percent of prisoners have a history of drug abuse and just a small fraction receive treatment while they're incarcerated and so and even for those who have access to treatment programs in prison very few receive appropriate treatment once they return so again it just sets them up for this recidivism cycle 
Um, most most prisoners, as I said, have extensive substance abuse histories, and they will cite that as the cause of many of their past and current problems. And they cite substance abuse as the cause of one or more family problems, relationships, employment, legal, financial problems. And, and, and really, you know, the consensus is that, you know, um, individualized in-prison treatment in connection with community-based aftercare can reduce substance abuse and dependency. And those with substance abuse histories who engage in substance use after release, again, are at the highest relapse rate, you know, recidivism rate. So really, the best thing is if you're, you find yourself in prison, get treatment for that. And because you're a lot less likely to, you know, return to prison um, if you can continue that aftercare upon release. But that's tough because very few prisoners do actively seek out that aftercare treatment. When um, And a lot of it's mm-hmm. economic. You know, they don't yeah. have the resources to. A lot of times they don't have the transportation to get there. A lot of times, you know, they don't even know that, these resources are available. What would you say to a patient that was in that situation? How would you, what would be the things you would be talking to them about in in their treatment? Well, one of the things I would highly encourage all my clients to do is get involved in a 12-step program. And I know that's an issue for a lot of people because of the higher power component. Mm -hmm. But there are 12-step programs like Rational Recovery, for example, that don't have that spiritual component. But that's one of the fastest and most effective ways to build an immediate support system and to get a sponsor. You know, um, one of the things, you know, building constructive relationships you know, upon reentry or reintegration is to find a mentor. And so somebody struggling with substance abuse, mm-hmm. those programs, they're everywhere. You can find a meeting. And they're free. Anywhere. <laughs> and they're, yeah, they're absolutely free, yeah. Rodney. Absolutely yeah, they free. Sure are. And, okay. and they're not, and they're going to, they're going to hold you to the line too. They're going to, you know, help you to be accountable. But that, that is one very free, very powerful resource with built-in support and built-in mentoring. And like I said, you can find a meeting anywhere, any place, any time of the day or night. You know, I, when I started doing this podcast, it, we started this podcast in 2010, and I, I'm I'm retired, and this is more a hobby that I, it's something I enjoy doing. Um, That's awesome. But um, I, I've been amazed over the years at how much pushback there is on 12 steps and i mm-hmm. i think those programs are wonderful and are. um yeah i i recommend them myself and i think they can help you in a lot of areas you know and so yeah 12 steps are good uh you had mentioned earlier um something about anger and I wanted to – I can't let you go without talking about this quickly. I know we can – you know, once again, this is something that we could probably do a whole show on. But so you, every time you turn around when you're coming home, you're the last hired, the first fired. Uh, people don't – especially if you're an SO, you know, it's like you're not even part of society. People look at you that way. Some people do. Not yeah. everybody. But yeah. – so you bite your tongue, and you try to cope that way, and you hold it in and hold it in, and then finally, kaboom, there's an explosion, and it could be 
anything. It could be somebody cutting you off in traffic or a comment made. Um, how do we... <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot, I know, but how do we keep that sort of thing from happening? Mm-hmm. You know, the first thing I would invite, you know, someone to do is to actively start working on forgiving themselves for the past mistakes they've made, mm-hmm. right? Find it, certainly find a good therapist uh, if you're in a position to do that um, and start, you know, making amends in your life, whatever that means. Um, and be focusing on serving others, but it all has to start with forgiving yourself, you know, because there's a, there's a tremendous power that comes with forgiving ourselves because that puts us in a position to be more easily able to forgive others, even for the slightest things. You know, most people I think are good people. Most people aren't intending to hurt other people. You know, I think it's, there's a lot of unintentional hurt, but you know, one of the most powerful uh, sets of affirmations that one of my mentors taught me is I forgive myself, I forgive others, and I'm forgiven. That, you know, that includes, you know, mistakes of all of our transgressions. You know, I forgive others includes everyone that's ever hurt you intentionally or unintentionally. Mm-hmm. And I'm forgiven connotes an understanding that you are worthy of being forgiven. And so when, when people start to focus on forgiveness work of themselves and others, it really it, it helps to diffuse that 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 build up that internal combustion, if you mm-hmm. will. And again, the more you work on forgiving yourself, the, the the more easily you are able to forgive others. Now, keep the lesson, right? You know, don't repeat whatever happened. I like to say, keep the lesson, but forgive the hurt. Keep the mm-hmm. lesson, forgive the person. You know, there's a <clears throat> when you're in prison, the kind of demeanor. Uh, mentality that you have to have in order to survive in there does not translate into normal society. And um, I'm, I'm wondering, and, and I know that some of these anger issues come from trying to shake that prison mentality. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering what advice you would have for people that are trying to, to move away from that prison mentality. And let me tell you, it, it's not just like a light switch. You can turn on and off. No. What, no. What, would be, what would be your advice on that, Dr. Amy, on how to get rid of that? You know what? It reminds me of growing up. So I grew up on the east side of Detroit in the 70s. And there were, there were two sides. You were either bullied or you were, or you, were you know, the bully. And uh, I watched a lot of my siblings, you know, get bullied, and I decided to take the bully route. And uh, certainly, you know, that came back to haunt me. Um, So I know that there are times when somebody, you know, pushes me to my limit. I like to joke that Detroit comes out, and and, and Detroit's not pretty. Um, And and so really, it's about, um, you know, successful reintegration really is difficult, um, you know, because... The harms caused by ex-offenders in the past remain unaddressed, and and, and that includes, you know, the harm to themselves, right, letting themselves down. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, really, like I said, important to work with, you know, a good therapist if you can, really focus on some good self-growth and development strategies, but it's a mindset, and it's important to realize that that mindset, that, that defense mechanism that PTSD response isn't going away overnight. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is something that's going to be a work in progress. 
And and I think, honestly, you know, Rodney, your podcast is one of those that puts people in a position to do that. But there are a lot of free resources now that people can use if they don't have access to a, a therapist or coach that can help them to make the transition mentally and emotionally from that, that state of reactivity, that, that, that fight or flight response, right? Mm-hmm. into something that's more, quote-unquote, um, healthy or well-balanced. Right. So access the podcasts. There's a lot of free apps people can use. There's a lot of books that are available online. Your library has fantastic resources. But it, it, one really has to, one, first become aware of their emotional response cycle. Two, make a decision that they're going to try and move through it and recreate a better state of health and balance. Mm-hmm. And then three, they've got to take action to that end. And it's like it's like the old shampoo commercial, rinse, wash, repeat. <laughs> it's going to take a lot of a lot of repetition and focusing on developing that that personal growth and development. And you're going to stumble. You're going to have setbacks, and this is where forgiveness comes in. But I think I shared with you I had a brother that was in prison for a long time, mm-hmm. and it took him a long time. He was a he's a marine. And so he had that mentality, and then he went into prison, and then he developed that mindset. And coming out of it, you know, it almost cost him his marriage. And, and so, and he didn't have access to resources, so he spent a lot of time, you know, with with, with developing his faith, with you know, doing things kind of homegrown to develop, you know, a, a better sense of emotional balance. Um, so, you know, those are so. There's a lot of free resources, but understand that it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of personal attention to move out of that mindset into a more, I guess, well-balanced uh, mindset to where you're not so emotionally reactive and mm-hmm. you know prone to making a lot of the same mistakes again. And, and like I said, forgive yourself. When, when that side comes out, just say, you know what, okay, that, that just reminds me that I still have some work and growing to do. Mm-hmm. You mentioned something there that I would love to have you back sometime to talk about, which is um, marriages that that manage to stay intact during a period of incarceration that not very many do um, and my understanding is those that do um, don't survive there's a, per- a high percentage of those that don't survive after the person returns home but you know just talking about that um, would be a great show with you we should do that sometime how do we find out more about you you've got a show called mind over matters a a am radio show tell us about how to get how to find amy harris new one dad thank you rodney appreciate it you can check us out online at the cifhw.com it's the cifhw.com uh you can check us out on facebook um, certainly on AM820 Chicago, it's Mind Over Matters. It airs every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you've got questions, comments, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email directly at healthandwellness at thecifhw.com. Excellent. If, yeah, you Excellent. can always give us a call to 630-980-1400. Perfect. We'll put a link when we post it. Um, Dr. Amy? Harris Nguyen, I want to thank you so much for being on the Journey of Hope today. Rodney, thank you so much. It's been a great pleasure and, uh, frankly, a great privilege as well. I look forward to being back on the show. Thank you. And We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. I'm Rodney Mathers, and you're on the Journey of Hope. 
hey there you got an idea for a show you got a guest that you think would fit in good here let me know and i'll definitely check it out you can do that at mathers rodney at yahoo.com m-a-t-h-e-r-s-r-o-d-n-e-y at yahoo.com Thank you, thank you, Dr. Amy Harris-Newen for being on the show today. And I want to remind you that if God is for you, who can be against you? We'll see you next time right here on The Journey of Hope.